As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Pokemon Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam, and here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex and TJ. And I was about to say, I'm joining us today. Jesus, I am on autopilot right what, now. What Jesus is joining us today? <laughs> yes, uh, that's not going to go well for you, denier of Jesus. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Jesus is one of my people. This is true, but you've not accepted him as your Lord and Savior. I have not, because he's we not. have a conundrum. <laughs> We're talking about Pokemon. That's on this right. Episode. The conundrum here is that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet come out. At midnight, as as this episode is releasing, uh, the next coming midnight, we'll see the launch of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. And the conundrum that we must discuss is who everyone will be starting with, because everyone on this podcast is definitely going to play Scarlet and Violet uh, with the fervor and passion uh, that I am. And I have gone on record many, many times uh, as being a Quaxley stan. I will be naming him Wildwing, and he will be precious and beautiful, and I love him. Question is, will you be resetting until you get a shiny Quaxley? I will not be doing that because the starters are famously shiny locked and have been uh, since I want to say Generation 6. You can soft reset for a shiny starter. Then how do you get a shiny starter? Breeding. Breeding. Oh, okay. So never mind. Yeah, uh, I am not going to be playing Pokemon Scarlet because I am an OG Gen 1 Loyalist. So you're going to be playing Pokemon Violet, is what you're saying. I do not get this reference. The games coming out are Scarlet and Violet, and you said that you're not playing Scarlet, which means you will be playing Violet. Okay, fair enough. I guess I have to buy Violet. <laughs> you do. Uh, That's how I this do. works. I, I have been trapped. I have been lawyered by Jacob. But yeah, my starter is absolutely going to be Charmander. because I I'll kill you. I only recognize 151 Pokemon. 152 if we want to include missing no can we make missing this into no a referendum a pokemon is it really it's not it's a so glitch in the system i do not count it All right so missing no is let's make this a referendum on that camps. did not actually make it into the game i still only recognize 151 pokemon that's okay you're allowed to be wrong just it's like bubble fraud pokemon tj who will you be starting with in scarlet and or violet Mudkip. You know what? I'll kill you too, but I can't really... Uh, <laughs> that's fair. The memes are there, so... I, 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 will like say, I will say, after seeing the images of the Pokemon, I do not know what types of the names of the other two, but like, if I were actually going to be playing, it would 100% be Quaxley, because that thing is adorable. Yeah, he is. Uh, the other two are Fuecoco, the hot pepper crocodile fire type, uh, and Sprigatito, the 
definitely not a weed plant cat. Wee Coco is a pretty great name, though. It, it is, is really. Fue Coco is a really, really good name. Did I will you know say that in Scarlet Spanish Violet, it means was Coco. I think it's it's supposed to be like fire and cocoa. Well, fue is was. Right, but it, I think it's supposed to be shorthand of fuego. Like fuego is supposed to be like a kind of take on fuego. I see what cocoa you're saying. Cocoa being more about crocodile. But also fuck that. It's it's supposed to very loosely translate to fire crocodile. All right. So should we return to our regularly scheduled programming? This no. is our regular schedule. I, I, I have more questions. This is a completely new game. This is not a... Um, That's correct. This is not a rebuild of a prior one, you know, Fire Red or Leaf Green, right? Yes, that is correct. Okay, interesting. Uh, how many hours will you be putting into this game? All of them. All of the hours. How many hours are there? Uh, all, all of them. See, that's the thing. And for the first time in a very long time, I have only pre-ordered one of the games. Because Pokemon is really shifting the formula uh, for Scarlet and Violet relative to what they have typically done in the past with a Pokemon game, uh, being an open world game with three distinct story paths. And I want to know what the scope of this game, of these games, uh, will be before I commit to owning both of them. I'm sure eventually I will buy Scarlet. I pre-ordered Violet uh, because... Coridon is or Mira, whichever the fucking future purple lizard is, uh, is way cooler because it actually uses its wheels and also has jet engines for knees. Uh, and that's just very cool. How does um, that even work? How do you have jet engines for knees? Shut up, that's how it works. <laughs> so I I, I want to know what the scope of these games are before I commit to owning both. So I don't know how many hours it will actually take me to finish these games. Uh, but the answer to the question of how many hours am I planning on putting into them? All of them. All of the hours. Well, that's kind of unfortunate because then I'm going to ambush you by bringing this up. And we're going to talk about it on this podcast for weeks to come. The World Cup is starting on Sunday. Thoughts on the World Who told Cup? you that you were allowed to change the subject? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I actually want to talk <laughs> more about this. I'm not looking at the evolutions. So Chili looks badass. Wait, shut up. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. Shut up. Spoilers here. I have, I very specifically do not look at leaks of things that have not been officially announced. So you, Alex, officially know more about these games than I do. Oh, so you're not, you don't even know the names of the. Nope. They have not been officially announced. So I do not know them. Well, they will be. The only unannounced (laughs) thing that I have looked up is shiny, is the shiny form of Cerule Edge, which is fucking gorgeous. Fair enough. Well, I apologize for the spoilers. It's okay. Only... I wasn't paying enough attention to actually register what you said. Just, just, just know that I looked at a starter evolution and I've changed my mind on which is the best. Interesting. All right. So I decided that I get to change the subject. So USA versus Wales on Monday. World Cup starts on Sunday. Just get in your best Wales dig here, boys. Gareth Bale is too old to be effective. That's all I'd know about the Welsh team. So that's that's where I land. Well, here. that's another this like you have Gareth Bale and that's all I know about you. Like who are you? Yeah, uh, the only thing good about Wales is Wrexham and none of them are on your team so you guys suck. Yeah. And like you know, you couldn't even be your own country. You're just nobody actually recognizes Wales as a country except in soccer. So yeah. uh I don't You're not even good enough true. to have your own Olympic team. Wait, is that true? 
I'm pretty sure Wales is a generally recognized country. It's in the United Kingdom, though. That's not really treated like an independent country. I suppose. And, uh, you know, I have to admit that they have a cool flag. They do. It has a dragon on it. It's, yeah, it's a very cool flag. But the jerseys are not... The jerseys are not good looking, so you wasted your opportunity to put a dragon on your jerseys, Wales. You you wasted it, and for that sin, you will not advance in the World Cup. USA will win five to zero. Mm. I respect that take. I, if you I have actually, a dragon on your flag and you don't have the balls to put it on your jersey, then you did something wrong. In, in all seriousness, I. I I, I don't know what to expect. I think that the U.S. are the second best team in their group, but like that's just because I don't think Wales and Iran are very good. Like Wales has had this like ridiculous run in, you know, of qualifying luck. And I mean, Iran just goes through Asia. They don't ever have to play anybody tough there. You know, the, you qualify because you're better than somebody like Uzbekistan, <laughs> you know, who's not necessarily a soccer powerhouse. They got some good players, though. I don't think it'll be like a nine-nothing type of game. You know, U.S. could very easily lose that game, but I, I'd say they probably get out of the group, and then they'll probably lose, lose in the round of sixteen, as is their way. So I, that's I, probably what will happen. I mean, if we're having a serious U.S. discussion, I'm not going to pretend to be anywhere near as into it or knowledgeable as you are. All mm-hmm. I know is I think this coach is trash, Greg Berhalter. <laughs> Everyone's like patting everyone like he's like patting himself on the back, finishing third and qualifying in a pretty weak area of the country. I mean, like you had to go through Trinidad and Tobago or like El Salvador, like countries that like they can't even find 40 soccer players, let alone put together a really good team. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, hey, you know, it's we tied zero zero at El Salvador. You know how hard it is to play there because their field sucks. And it's <laughs> like great. It, it's really hard to play there if you're not very good, which, you know, they're, right. they're they're not very good. You know, the players are in not the best form, you know, Pulisic, uh, if it was like two years ago, great. But like right now he's not playing very well and no, nobody really is like there's no Americans that they're like, yeah, that guy is playing outstanding. So you're going to have to shrug your shoulders and just hope that uh, the World Cup brings out the best of them. What about noted FIFA 23 player, career player, Jacob Langsam? <laughs> he's He's been selected for, for Team US, and he's playing outstanding. What position is he? I forget. He's a center attacking midfielder. Nice. Um, you know, the US really needs a number 10 like him. Mm. Well, and, he does uh, wear number 27, uh, not number 10. Uh, Are you sure and, we're not I mean, talking about E2? He, he belongs to uh, AC Milan. Uh, but is currently on loan to Paris FC of France's second tier uh, and is just absolutely tearing that league up, like 60 goals and 40-something assists. Uh, as an aside, imagine somebody... 23 season. Imagine somebody's listening to this episode as their first ever Panther Pre episode. That would be... God, I hope not. <laughs> God, I hope so. This is exactly so what we... Panther Pre, and we start with like 20 minutes of Pokemon and soccer before even getting into hockey at all. This I is mean, honestly... the reality is... Okay. Maybe this should be a bonus episode. We are kind of in the dog days of the season, though. <laughs> like, come on. When we when we conceptualize this podcast, like, this is what we intended. Some days we're just not going to talk right. a lot of hockey. Look. Like, there's been three games since the last podcast. Anyone who has listened this I far mean, they went had to have heard the intro where Andrew Imber himself warned you that sometimes we don't talk about hockey. 
And my favorite episodes are the ones we don't. Like, as much as I love talking hockey and getting into the weeds, but, like, when we're just doing this, I kind of like it more. Yeah. I honestly this, think, like, this, the biggest This version news... of the podcast is just a bunch of friends chatting. I honestly okay. think that uh, the biggest <laughs> news of this week, oh, you know, actually, there is something that we do have to talk about that's kind of newsworthy. But uh, the biggest news of this week, at least you can make an argument for the retro launch. Because it's great. Oh, hell yeah. Like, yeah. Me and Jake both got our retros. Alex, are you going to get one? Um, I'm tightening the belt spending wise right now, so no. Why? Uh, Why are you doing that? Are you expecting something uh, interesting in the near future? <laughs> another child. Lame. Reverse also, retros are better. I guess that Tommy's going to have some company pretty soon. Maybe you yeah. can get Tommy the uh, infant reverse retro, which is only I, like forty bucks. It's mm. actually eighty dollars. With the season ticket holder discount, it's sixty. It's really steep. Yeah, that's that's a lot for a jersey he's going to grow out of in a, in yeah. a year or so. Sixty dollars for a jersey he can only wear for sixty days. Yeah, yeah. and and they're not even like the like it's the fanatics like everything uh-huh. is stamped. It's not stitched. Not that it really matters for a two year old, but it's just like it's like come on, come on, fanatics. I paid ten dollars for that one that we found on eBay, TJ. That's beautiful. It's a fanatics one, but it's like that's what I expect to pay for a two T, you know, hockey jersey. That's chic material. Ten dollars on eBay or like thirty dollars retail, not eighty. Yeah, I can't agree more. Um, and but, the reverse retro is nice. We'll get to see it on Saturday, and uh, we'll talk about Saturday more later. I will I'm not sure. get to see it on Saturday. I will be unable to watch the game on Saturday, most likely. Well, you'll get to watch the highlights. Yeah. And that but... will probably happen on Saturday. But anyway, I digress. Uh, the big thing that I want to talk about from this week that uh, it was people were divided about how bad it was, but I think the three of us all agree it was pretty bad. So Aaron Eckblad was on LTIR, and that enabled the team to sign Eric Stahl, who's 38 years old, I believe you said yesterday. <laughs> enabled is quite the choice of words for that. And Eric Stahl has come into the lineup, and unfortunately, he's done nothing but suck. Basically, he's come in to get the fourth line caved in every time he plays. It's remarkable just how much worse the team is when he's on the ice than when he's not. And you know now the Panthers are in a situation where Ekblad has returned. He's off of LTIR. They need to cut their uh, salary down so they, they can only carry 18 players. And if I'm not mistaken, Eric Stahl's not eligible to be buried because he's on a 35-plus contract. So what did the That's... Panthers do? They waived Rudolph Balsters. And what happened to Rudolph Balsters? He got claimed by the Lightning. You know, that's yeah. that's not a smart organization, though, right? Like, they wouldn't do smart things like claim good players on waivers. This season, probably not. Shut up, Jake. You're not <laughs> helping it. my point. You're Nailed not helping it. my point. Eighth. But- Vassy washed, Hedman washed, Tampa bad, eighth. And I, and I want to give my reasoning for why this is just an example of what a dumb organization does. The Panthers have earned us not calling them a dumb organization because they've operated like a smart organization, one of the smartest organizations in the league in the past, you know, let's say two years. The Matthew Kachuk trade was very smart. A lot of teams wouldn't have been willing to trade a Uyghur or a Huberto in order to get that younger cost-controlled player, but they were they were 
to realize that those diminishing assets and you got if you have the opportunity to flip them into a really high value asset you should you know they they struck gold with Verhage they struck gold with Forsling it looks like they kind of struck gold with Mahura yeah they sure and this did. is the thing that they're going to have to continue to do though because when you do trade for a Matthew Kachuk and you trade you pay him 9.5 million AAV it's not that he's overpaid but there's a salary cap so you have to fill out your roster with a lot less money now that you're not getting in, you know, an all-star caliber player at six million dollars average annual value, which you got two of, because yeah, uh, Barkov and Huberto signed a couple of the dumbest bridge deals in the history of the NHL. But you know that's neither here nor there. Wasn't dumb for the Panthers. It certainly was. They also weren't bridge deals. <laughs> yeah, I mean they that's kind true. Of they were six-year deals though. But they kind it's, of, it's hard I, to call a six-year deal a bridge deal. I, it, I bought guess out I UFA, it, it bought out UFA years. Yeah. Especially I mean, with Huberto. Only in the case of Huberto. Barkov, I don't think it bought out any UFA yes, it, years. It bought out two or three at UFA years, 100%. For Barkov? You only, you only get four hours. turned 27. Years. Yeah, but remember, he started in the NHL at uh, 18. It definitely I guess that's bought, true. Yeah, the, the six pro seasons or seven pro seasons or whatever it is. Yeah, it definitely okay, but bought how does out. This, how does this apply to what happened with Baltimore? But how does this affect the Leafs? So yeah, when you when you're in that situation where you traded all of your assets, the Panthers won't draft in the first round until I have like uh damn it, I thought I had something. Oh, but yeah. I didn't. Tommy will be in elementary school the next Panthers first round pick. Yeah. yeah. So the this team is not asset rich. The uh prospect pool I can't remember exactly where it was ranked in the elite prospects rankings, but it's not in the top half of the league. That's for no, sure. It's not a particular. It's in the twenties. Yeah. It's definitely in the twenties. You know, there are some players there that I wouldn't be surprised if they were good NHL players, especially Mackie Samuskevich. I think he's going to be a good NHL player. He might not be though. I would certainly not be surprised by that. You're in a situation where like, there's no reinforcements coming. And you know, some of the reinforcements that you have right now are like, Patrick Hornquist, who's really old. Radko Gudis, who is 33 and about to really hit the aging cliff. And Brandon Montour is about to hit 30. You know, the the uh, forward group, Sam Reinhardt's about to expire. You know, you'll have to repay Sam Bennett. You'll have to re-up him. You'll have to re-up Duclair. You have to re-up for Hagee at some point. So you, I mean, I doubt all of them get re-up, but I get your point. Yeah, like, you you don't necessarily have anybody walking through that door, and you're a young-ish team, but not not very young. You know, most of your I mean, core, your core players... Most of your core is in its prime right now. And not right, like late It's, it's not like either. they're entering their prime. This isn't like a Buffalo, no, where you have mid, all your best players are like... They're mid-prime. Like, they're prime... prime like. The team is in its prime right now. Barkov, Kachuk, Verhage, like these are all players. Ekblad, mm-hmm. these are all players who were mid-20s. And Alex has talked about it a lot, and I'm going to cut to the chase. Like when you, when you have that kind of roster, appropriately paid players that are like super high-quality star players that deserve all that money, you have to win on the fringes. And this is what Tampa – and Colorado and the Leafs to an extent have done to be successful, at least in the Leafs case in the regular season for the last few years. I mean, Colorado found 
Valerie Nachushkin and turned him into a bona fide first liner, making like I can't even remember what he was making, but he was definitely not what he's making now, which is still looking like a bargain because he's a beast. You know, Tampa Bay, they found Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman. The Leafs found Michael Bunting. Yeah, Blake Coleman and uh, Barclay Goodrow to an extent. You know, he played a role. And the Panthers, they got to continue finding these Carter Verhage type players. I mean, you're not going to find a Carter Verhage every year. They're doing a great job of it, though. You're not going to find a Carter Verhage every year. No, but they found a Carter Verhage and a Gus Forsling in one year. They found a Josh Mahura this year. No, we'll sorry. see about Josh Mahura. They found I mean, a Verhage one year, Forsling the next, Mahura the year after. Mahura definitely so far so good, but you know that could change in an instant. I would be surprised, but sure, you know, it could. It, but like they've could. literally been finding one of those players per year, at least. Yeah, and Colin White hopefully is going to be another example. But when we were all very Colin high White on changed signing, his goal song. What did he change it to? Oh, we don't know. But oh, did he even wait, score sorry. Yet? Nick Cousins. Nick Cousins scored. Nick changed Cousins. his goal song. Yeah, Nick Cousins right. also. So add high. Colin White to the list of players that I can't tell apart. That list is Brett Ritchie, Nick Ritchie, Nick Cousins, and I guess now Colin White. <laughs> so we were all very high on Rudolph Balsers, and you know he had a a decent start to the year, for, but for whatever reason, he's found himself in the doghouse. You know, maybe it's the counting stats weren't particularly impressive. He had two goals and two assists in fourteen games with the Panthers. You know, not great. He was getting some power play time, but I mean, the, the possession stats of the lines that he was on were very good. You know, he just kind yes. of the shooting percentage wasn't really working out in his favor. And, you know, when they brought in Stahl, they were still playing Balser. So I'm not really sure why it became evident that he was the odd man out. But, you know, Balser's came to Florida. I'm sure that he got more money in other offers but the Panthers probably had the best offer in terms of opportunity. And that's what attracted him to the team. I'm not sure it's even, I think it's kind of a bold take to say that you're sure he got higher offers from other teams. Yeah, I agree there. I would be surprised if he didn't get at least. I'm sure that what he was was looking for more than anything was playtime opportunity, but who's going to offer him more money without giving him the chance at real playtime. Well, let me put it this way. The reason that Carter Verhage is a Panther and not a Leaf is because he wanted a million dollars a year for two years. And the Leafs couldn't afford that because they were so strapped to the cap in the Carter uh, Verhage was a Leaf once. That's true. He was drafted by the Leafs. But when he was yeah, non-tendered, right. the Leafs targeted him and he wanted more money than they could afford. So they couldn't get him, and he's the Panther. I would certainly not be surprised if that was the case with Balsers, but I mean, you know, maybe it was some other non-contending team, didn't think he would get a top six opportunity, whatever. But ultimately, like, this is a bad look for the organization because now, you know, if you're going to go out and try to identify that next Colin White, Carter Verhage. I know that Gus Forsling and Josh Mahura were waiver pickups, but if you think he got somebody in free agency that can be got that kind of person, you know, they're going to look at what happened to Balsers and they're going to say, well, why, why can I be sure that that won't happen to me? Play you better. Know, That's but how. he didn't yeah. play badly. He didn't play that badly. 
Yeah, but I, I, TJ, I, I'm going to disagree with you here. I think you're reading into this a little too much. It's not hard to see what happened to the Panthers. They're up against the cap. They signed Eric Stahl, for better or worse. They couldn't send Eric Stahl down. So the Panthers literally only had three options to send down to clear up the cap space necessary. It was Balsers, it was Cousins, and it was Colin White. And let's be honest, Colin White and and Nick Cousins had been better. Yeah. They have been better than Rudolph Balsers. I don't think Rudolph Balsers has been a bad as a Panther, but we're in 2022 where there's literally 21 teams using LTIR. That's literally two-thirds of the team in the NHL using LTIR. Decisions had to get made. Tough decisions had to get made. And unfortunately, it was Rudolph Balsers. And let's be honest, Rudolph Balsers probably had the best chance of making it through waivers than anyone else because Colin White's getting claimed. Nick Cousins is getting claimed. I don't know about Cousins. Yeah, I'm actually not sure I agree on Cousins. 1.1 for what he's brought so far, I think that gets claimed. What has he really brought, though? He's got Especially couple... that Balsers hasn't. I think his defense has been a lot better. I mean, they've been mm. in different roles, but like, either way, Balsers, I think when, when you realize that you cannot save any money by sending Stahl down, it was the only option. And it is what it is, unfortunately. Like, a good player ended up on waivers. He got claimed by the Lightning of all teams. It had to be the Lightning. It is what it is. The reality is Balsers did not play uh, last night for the Lightning. He was a, a scratch. Tampa's going to end up in a situation in the same situation the Panthers. So they're an LTIR team as well. Like their money, their money is going to come due. Well, isn't it Brent Seabrook though? That's an LTIR. Like he's not coming back. No, he's not. Yeah, but there's there they still. I think they have another player on LTIR. Sorelli, right maybe. Yeah, it's Sorelli. Yeah, Sorelli. Like Sorelli's going to come back. They're eventually going to get to a. They're eventually going to be in the same position as everyone else, where they can only put twenty guys on the roster. So, honestly, you, there's a good shot Balsers ends up on waivers again at some point, and then the Panthers are going to have first dibs. I mean, they can waive Balsers on the last day of the regular season, and the Panthers still get first dibs on getting him back. Pretty sure that's how the rule works. Yeah, but I don't think they would do that because you don't have roster limits. And it's also mu- way easier uh, to, to maneuver the cap because of all the prorating, but whatever. No, I, I, I'm, just, the point. I'm just saying like, oh, hey, they can wave them at any time. Yeah, and I mean, I, I just think the retort in this situation is like, you knew the situation was going to happen. Why did you sign Eric Stahl? Because I think no- that's the failure of management that we that, need to That I about. think is the better discussion is why did you sign Eric Stahl when you knew once who, uh, not who, Black could come back, you were going to have a problem. I, yeah. I, that's that's where we talk about, hey, what were you thinking, Zito? Not, oh, the organization looks bad because they did Balsers dirty. I don't okay. think they did Balsers dirty. Here, but here's the yeah, thing, though. Like, let, let's say you have to put a percentage on the chance that Balsers turns into a real valuable NHL player. Like somebody that you're like, God, we signed him for that deal. Like we got a gem. What's the percentage chance of that? Like you think that right Right now, if they had just continued with him, that he would turn into a gem. Considering we hadn't seen, we've been, we've seen solid play, but not amazing play. 10, 15%. What do you think, Jake? I think I'm with Alex. 10%. 50, like, I, I don't think it's crazy high. And what about before the season started? 
Higher. Yeah, higher. Considerably higher though. Yeah, no. his his under oh, well, his underlying numbers were really good, and they were only fine with the Panthers with better line mates and better opportunities. See, I, I don't I'm think they, sure they were, were like that outlandishly better. Is the thing they were good? Like he had a good shot of becoming the next Carter Verhage, quote unquote. But like when we got Verhage, I mean, the three of us celebrated. We knew that that was a twenty-five goal scorer waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. TJ, I think you even called thirty. When we picked yeah. him up, well, and the but the thing and the difference was we saw it with Verhage immediately, right? Like and Mer- the Mer- bet on Balthers wasn't as good as the bet on Verhage. Like, but but remember that um, scrimmage with Verhage? We were all watching the stream together. We were just like, "Holy shit, Verhage is good!" Yeah, like he is really good. Like he was the best player in that. Like we already kind there. of knew that, but yeah. <laughs> right, like, well, no, 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 we all like, oh, hey, we're excited about this guy. Like, we were excited about Balsers, but, like, we saw it on the ice, like, immediately it was like, oh, shit, like, this guy's really good. Like, he's the best player on the ice outside of Barkov. Like, get him off the third and fourth line. Get yeah. him on the top line ASAP. That's like, true. We Balsers, did We did call for him to be brought up to the top line very early. Right. Balsers I remember was, the year we drafted, the year we, the year we picked up Verhage, I drafted him in fantasy in, like, the last round. Same. Because I knew that he wasn't going to stay bottom six for long. Same. And then Balsers, I mean, he was never bottom six because he played with Barkov from game one. He started preseason bottom six. Right. Oh, okay. Bottom six. Like he like he, he was tore. projected to be a bottom six player and then just outplayed expectations and ended up on Barkov's wing. Right. And, th- and that's my overall point is we saw it immediately with Carter Verhage. Rudolph Balsers, like he's been fine. It didn't. Ju- he didn't jump off the page to me where it's like, "Fuck, we lost Rudolph Balsers. The season's right. over. Like, what is disaster?" I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. I think it was a mistake, but it's not something that I think we're. I think it's very low odds. We're talking at the end of the season about how Rudolph Balsers is the difference between the Panthers and the Lightning. Like, I I, I just don't odds. understand the like. I'm not I'm not talking about you two when I say this. I just don't understand how you can definitively say that like that 14 game sample size told you everything that you needed to know. Like you you came into this thinking like, you know, you didn't sign Dreisaitl or McDavid. It's Rudolph Balsers. If you get a nice player, that's an absolute win. You know, because you got him for $750,000 is league minimum. You know, anything that you get from him is a bonus. And I just don't really understand what they saw in that in that sample that led them to believe that he just couldn't be that guy. Well, but, yeah, you know, that's, going that's into the thing. And that's why we need to talk about this as like Ekblad going down and so quickly saying, hey, we have some cap space to play with now. Let's sign Eric Stahl. That's mm-hmm. where the problem lies. It's the problem isn't so much that Balsers deserved to be waived as it was. The second you sign Eric Stahl, because of the over 35 rules, with not being able to bury Eric Stahl, you know that you are condemning someone to waivers. Yeah. But here's the thing. And, you know, this is an issue that we've been complaining about all year. You know who they could have waived? Patrick Hornquist. No one's claiming him. He didn't have the same kind of 35-plus contract issue. You could have waived him. And it's just an issue of, they they didn't want to waive him because for whatever reason they have to have him on the ice. It's like you, you can't just have him around the team. You have to have him on the ice. And I mean he's a decent fourth liner, 
But it's like, are are you really thinking that your fourth line is getting a major upgrade by replacing Bolsters with Hornquist? You're not wrong. You're not wrong there. I have no, I mean, we've, we've talked about what we've asked the question on this podcast, almost every episode, why is Hornquist still on this team? And no one has a good answer. I think this is what be one of those uncle two or three years from now, we're going to talk to George on the podcast and he's finally going to give the story of why the Panthers <laughs> kept Hornquist around for so long. Like there's going to be some reason, like we're going to get confirmation of the backdoor deal of like, when Hornquist got traded right. for Matheson, he like Zito promised him, Hey, no matter what, all three years, Florida Panther, no cut, no buyout, no nothing. Like that's what I'm going to guess is like, we're going to get that. Story I really eventually. think there's something to that. I, I yeah. also think that they just really value the intangibles. And I'm doing air quotes for those of you who are listening that he provides, which just like, you know, is there any real evidence that that is helpful? Like, I just, I don't, I don't see it. Like, you know, the Leafs brought in Nick Felino at the trade deadline right before the bubble, and they had what was probably their biggest playoff choke that year. You know, how much did his veteran leadership really help them? Oh, no one's arguing that. I think we're all in agreement that uh, Patrick Hornquist has long outlived his usefulness as a Florida Panther and. We're all sitting here confused why he is still on the team. And I mean, that that saga is going to continue because they have to make space to bring back Anthony Duclair. Right. Yeah, at that point, it has to be Hornquist because they're literally, they, they literally cannot be under the cap and still keep and bring Duclair back. Like, they would literally have to... They're a 20-man now, and to create $3.3 million for Duclair... They would need to cut three guys making 1.1 million or more. There is only one person. It's, you know, Hornquist has to have, you know, some sort of lingering issue that puts him on LTIR for the rest of the season. Ready for me to piss a lot of people off? Go for it. Wave Sam Bennett. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that. You could at least get two second round picks, I think. Where's a man? I don't know. Like, I, 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 the Flames traded Heineman again. Yeah, Heinemann's with the... He's in Montreal. Montreal as oh, part of the Toffoli trade. Kid. Toffoli trade, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I truly do not know what Sam Bennett would get in a trade. Like... I think he'd, I think he'd have a lot of value. I agree. He's got... I think two, two second-round picks is a lot of value, I think. I, I think he'd get a lot more than that. He's, yeah, his, if you're trading Bennett, you need to bring a roster player back. He... Remember, the Panthers bought low on Sam Bennett with two second-round picks, um, right? And then since then, he has reinvigorated his career, played really good hockey, and is signed at a reasonable number at 4.4 for this year plus two more. If I don't want to turn this into the Trade Sam Bennett podcast, but like if – Yeah, that's if for that, January. If that's, if that's how the Panthers – if that's the direction the Panthers go to create the cap-proof who declare – you're getting a pretty substantial haul in terms of prospects and picks or a defenseman that's NHL ready. I I just don't know. Like, it's not me saying that like everybody else is overrating him so much. Like, I just don't know what his perception is in the league because he has what, like three goals now that he's not playing with Huberto. Like that's, that's a real thing. Yeah, but his play driving metrics have also been super strong. Yeah, and remember, teams are going to look at his last season and a half as a Panther more than the 14 games or, or however many it's been this year. Like, 
that will continue to evolve and we'll see how how he goes but yeah and then the i mean the ultimate concern that we should have with all of this is that eric stall really sucks like he's he sure does i i really don't like to be just so black and white about it but it is painfully obvious that he is not good enough to play in the nhl anymore right. he's just not i wouldn't even like, say this about mark stall i think mark stall has actually been fine you know, now that he's cut out the one he, game. He was propped up by Matt Kierstead and is now being propped <laughs> up by Aaron Eckblad. Now that he's cut out the one game-breaking mistake out of every single game that he plays, he's fine. I don't have nearly the same level of ire for him. And it's not even really bolsters related. It's just like, get anybody. You know, get the next guy that hits waivers. Get, um, <laughs> who was the Islander that just hit waivers? Sostkin or whatever. Yeah, oh, Sostkin. He's better than Eric Stahl. Go get him. Eric Stahl's had a great career. It's over. It is over. You cannot continue it. Like, it's negligence. Yeah. We were talking about this at the game yesterday, that, like, Eric Stahl is a borderline Hall of Famer. Uh-huh. I don't think he will make the Hall of Fame, uh, although he does have a cup to his name. Or rather, he has his name on the cup. And over a 1,000 points. And over a 1,000 points. So the individual accolades aren't there, but the rest of it is. Um, he is a shoe in for the Hall of Very, Very Good. Right. And it's it's going to be the guy, like, every time the Hall of Fame gets announced and Aristotle exactly. gets in, you're going to hear a lot of complaining out of Carolina. Right. That's That's what – I think that's what I was saying. I was actually saying that to someone else. Yeah, I was actually I was talking to Zach uh, at Panthers Vet on Twitter about this yesterday also, and I said that exact same thing. He's going to be the guy every year who just doesn't quite make the hall. Like he's going to be who the conversation is around every year. You're going to have well, basically all of Canada complaining about Paul Henderson, and you're going to have uh, all of Carolina. Who is Paul Henderson? Paul Henderson. Is <laughs> let's not let's not do this. I mean, he was a guy from the Summit series. Let's put it that way. He he's he's he is the lesser version of Michael Ruzioni. Let's leave it. Yeah, there. yeah. Okay. I appreciate the emphasis on lesser because yes. I certainly know who Michael Ruzioni is. Okay, they're essentially the same person with the exact same Michael Ruzioni. Except that... for the United States of America. Yeah. So One of my favorite ex- scenes in the history of cinema, for the record. Great. Yeah. Great scene. Great scene. Again. <laughs> again. Uh, also, suicides are absolute hell in hockey gear. But yeah, Paul Henderson is Mike Ruzioni, but it was the Summit Series instead of the Olympics, and he was an NHLer instead of a college kid playing against the Russians. So therefore, mm-hmm. Mike Ruzioni, so much better than Paul Henderson. Suck it hat. And absolutely does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Correct. But yeah, Eric Stahl, Hall of Very Good at a minimum. Right. 38 years old. I have the utmost respect right. for him. As a guy, like even as a 38 year old, like how many 38 year olds can even like kind of sort of barely hang on the NHL ice? Like, I mean, 50 year old Yarmir Yager is still playing pro hockey. Okay, but Yager is Yager. He's one of one. (laughs) Can't compare anybody to Yager. I know. That's the joke. Also, quick moment RIP to Yarmir Yager's father who passed away, I think, today. Rest Uh, in peace. Yeah. I, I mean, right. it's really just like there's not a lot of nuance to this. He stinks. Right. And like, yeah. right. Prime Eric Stahl, fantastic player. 
38-year-old Eric Stahl, a, a full year removed from being on an NHL roster, not so much. And he wasn't even good then. Like, when he was on the Canadians, he sucked then. Yeah. Yeah. Opponents are shooting plus 48 in the offensive zone. Their expected goals percentage yeah. is plus 48 compared right. to average when Eric Stahl's on the ice. Like, there's just this dark, like the darkest red I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, me too. Uh, right in front of the goal. And the worst is, hockey vis shirt I've ever seen. For any of you who might say, well, it's the defenseman's job to cover that area. None of our defensemen are that bad. No. None of them. Even Mark Stahl. It's easier for them to clear the puck four on five. Then I, I do want to give credit there. where it's due. Lately, as much as this shocks me, Eric Stahl has been decent on the on the penalty kill. Yeah, and we, we we have we did get because you tweeted that out, TJ. Oh, why is he on the penalty kill if that's what his five on five chart is? The penalty kill and five on five defense is two completely different things. Right, you can't just throw the puck all the way to the other end of the ice at five on five. I would also, also bet that when the penalty kill sample size gets large enough, we would see a similar impact. I agree with that. However, currently, his PK results have been solid, in my opinion. We will see if that continues. I expect it not to. And, you know, I would love for Eric Stahl to come back after this podcast is released and have a two-goal game against the Stars tonight. TJ, and... you, you do know that if that happens... We we can only assume that Eric Stahl listens to this podcast. <laughs> That's the whole point of this segment. We want to we want to turn Eric Stahl back into. It doesn't even need to be the Eric, Eric Stahl. It doesn't even need to be Carolina Eric Stahl. You know who was really damn good? Minnesota Eric Stahl was yes. awesome. I that's what I was hoping we would get. I mean, that was not realistic. I mean, I was just hoping we would get something like Joe Thornton was last year, where it's like, you know, was he really that much worse than the other fourth line center that you could put there? Not really. You know, Joe Thornton was probably replacement level last year, and Eric Stahl right now is not playing like replacement level at all. You know, Minnesota Eric Stahl, 240 points in 311 games. Yeah, and, the you know, the disappointing thing about it is that you know, Nick Cousins was getting healthy scratch for Eric Stahl for a little bit. Uh, Alexi Haboniemi came in and looked like he pro- proved more than Eric Stahl has done in his short time. I mean, he already has a primary assist and he drew a penalty, which I don't think Eric Stahl has done either of those things in more minutes. So, I mean, yeah, right now it's very it's very brutal and it, it could get better, but like that would buck every trend when yeah. it comes to players of this age. Like, Last year with Yandel in in Philadelphia, by the end of the season, it was like one of the worst defenseman seasons in the modern era. Like he was absolutely horrible. But he started the season with like 15 points in 10 games or probably not that much, but he had a bunch of points because his body just broke down over the course of the season. Yeah. And I you have to imagine that's what's going to happen with Eric Stahl. Like that's just the trend when it comes to guys that are that old. Yeah, Eric Stahl's washed. Like, it is what it is. They they chose to keep Eric Stahl over Rudolph Balsers. Yes, I know they would have had to terminate Eric Stahl's contract rather than waive him. 
but it is what it is. He would have had to retire, I think, because if, if yeah, they he terminated had, the contract, I think that it would still count against the cap. Yes, he has to agree to not play in the NHL the rest of the year for it to, for his contract for his cap bit to come off the books. So you know, it is what I, it is. Let's I, move on. Yeah, um, hey, Spencer uh, Knight shut out uh, the Carolina, Carolina Hurricanes. Forty save shutout. You don't see that. Speaking very often. of Eric Stahl. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really like have a whole lot to say at this point in the season in terms of the goalie rotation. I feel like, you know, maybe they came into the year with a two for Bob, one for Knight mentality, and hopefully now it's going to be closer to like three for Bob, two for, if not like three for three. Uh, it's good to see Spencer playing well, though. I was kind of annoyed with the way he started the year, and Bob didn't have a great outing against LA, but he did have a pretty damn solid outing against Washington last night. Oh yeah, I thought he was great against the Caps. Yeah, he did his job yesterday. Um, Knight was fine against the Oilers. I don't remember any bad goals, but you know that was just that was another game where it's like, how did the Panthers lose this when they're dominating the chances all night and then they're down two goals late in the game? I still hold that. Like, they were phenomenal in the first. I think if the Panthers – if the top line was so good in the first against Edmonton and that the fact that they didn't score honestly surprises me. Had the top line gotten a goal that they deserved in the first period of the Edmonton game, I think the Panthers win that game. Yeah, you're probably right. Moving on um... – Anything stick out from you in the Washington game last night you guys want to talk about? Yeah, Carter Hagee fucking rules. Ten goals. Yeah. Does that yeah. count as something that sticks out? Yeah, Carter Hagee just owns Washington. Like, they're going to do one of those lists of, like, random players that own the Washington Capitals. You know, fan bases do that from time to time. And it's like, Carter Hagee's going to be the left wing on that first he's, line of he's teams, players that number own one. Washington. Also, I just want to point out before we totally move off of goalies, uh, Spencer Knight is outperforming Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, Vasi's only been just gonna throw the, that one out there. It's the regular season. Vasi doesn't really get started until round two of the playoffs. Shh. All right. Hard for Vasi um, to get started round two of the playoffs. Tampa doesn't make the playoffs. Hey yeah. uh Ovi was invisible last night. Did you guys notice him on the ice at all? Just during the power play because you're just looking at Ovi. Like, right, but he wasn't he doesn't have dangerous. to do anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why was he in front of the net? Yeah, that was weird. Because he wasn't getting passed to in his office. Which, Uh, by the way, the Panthers did this thing against Ovi that I rarely see anyone do, shockingly. Uh, They just stapled a penalty killer to him. That's something that I was noticing last night. If you go back and watch the Capitals' power plays, Etu Lestarnin was just, like, stapled to Ovechkin the whole night. And he rarely got an open feed. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I also noticed that they did like what Jack Hand was telling us about them for the playoff series, where they were trying to make OV the one to bring the puck into the yeah. into the zone, which takes away the you know on the rush one timer. Yeah. So good on Paul Maurice for fucking figuring out how to defend the Capitals' power play. All right, and maybe yeah, Paul Maurice listened to our Jack Hand episode. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> so Saturday night. Is uh, it's actually Saturday afternoon? Is the yeah. uh, long-awaited reunion, Matthew Kachuk That's versus so Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger, and I might not be able to be there either because I'm not feeling particularly well. Uh, tested negative for COVID, thank God, but um, we'll see about yeah. that. Anyway, it's been a long-awaited uh, game, and there's an interesting article that's come out from Julian McKenzie in the Athletic. 
you know, a few a few tidbits here and there, but naturally, I I don't think we're going to learn the whole truth of the situation that was until twenty five years down the line. That was a very toned down article where it was just like Huberto. You know, the rumors are Huberto told uh, Zito to fuck himself and then hung up the phone. And all, all okay, Huberto no, said that, that was an exaggeration by Paul Bizanet, and Biz's words were that Huberto basically said something to the effect of, are you fucking kidding me? I don't know how, oh, like okay. I watched the clip. I don't know how the go fuck yourself rumor started, but that's not almost certainly not what happened. Yeah. It's almost certainly tongue in cheek also. Like he didn't actually. Yeah. Bizanet, Bizanet's not known for, you know, sticking. it might've also been Yandel, but still. Yeah. Who knows? Either way, I guess the most enlightening thing with that was just, Huberto saying, yeah, uh, Zito only said a few words to me, and I thought I deserved more. That was probably the most noteworthy thing in the in the whole retelling. To Kachuk's side is well, like, that story's been repeated like 10 times already, so there was nothing yeah. new there. Yeah, we already kind of got it all in the press conference. You know, he was with his yeah. family, only told his mom and dad, you know, whatever. Yeah, our our, our poor boy, uh, Cole Swint, was fishing when, when he was traded, so he didn't find out till the next day. Cole I'm Schwinn glad. Having a good, you know, uh, good year in the I, AHL. I'm glad that Cole got his day out. He didn't have to stress about that. He just had a nice, relaxing day on the water, and then the next day found out that he was traded. You know what I was I found interesting was that the trade discussion seemingly took less time than the logistical discussion of how they're going to manage to get the eighth year on Kachuk's contract because yeah. they they apparently decided on the trade in the afternoon, and if you all recall. Trade was announced at something like 11 p.m. It was it was night. really late. It was like 11:30 at night. Yeah, yeah. I know this because I was in bed, like almost asleep, when I heard my phone buzz a bunch because I had a thousand texts. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess another enlightening thing from that article was basically Zito started off as like, "Yeah, I'm not fucking around. I'll I'll I'll, I'll talk Huberto and Uyghur in this deal," and then it kind of got finalized pretty soon after. And uh, I think that it's it's working out for the Panthers. Uh, it sure is. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about Calgary. Like, if they're going to have some buyer's remorse with those contracts, like ultimately they were they were stuck. Like Kachuk said, I want out. They had to trade him. They were never going to get equal value. They probably got a picks and prospects offer that was similar to this. Maybe young NHL players. This is what they went with to try to be competitive in the short term. Which is you know, probably the best strong. call for what Calgary's roster looks like right now. Building I don't for know right if I necessarily now. agree, but it certainly like is a defensible decision. Yeah. And, you know, right now it's not looking so good, but we are very early into the season. And I think there's a lot of talent on that team. Daryl Sub has just kind of got to figure it out. Yeah. Um, either way, Huberto's coming back. Uyghur's coming back. But I before mean, that, I, the return of Panthers legend Mason Marchman. Yeah, that's true. And the stars um, are doing very well, as we all predicted. So, but does Marchman is not. Does Marchman get a video okay. tomorrow? Yes, no doubt yeah. about it. He's a fan favorite. I, I'm actually, Anton you know, I actually, I don't know. If he's getting Anton one. He's getting one. Got a message on the jumbotron. I don't think he got a full video. Marchman might just get a thank you, Mason, on the jumbotron. I don't know if he gets a full video. I think he's the getting fan a video. favorite. I think the fan favorite gets him the video. That's true. The fans hated Anton Strong. Playoff goals <laughs> four are going to get him a video also. 
Man, I can't wait to see the Carter Verhage tribute video when he returns to Florida to play against the Panthers for the first time. That will never the happen. fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> that will never happen. He's staying Preparing here Preparing myself for worst-case scenario. Carter All right. Imagine if he signs with the Leafs in three years. Ugh. Okay, I'm ending this episode 23, now. 23 is going to be we've got, up we've in the rafters. Got, we've got off, off the rails. FLA Live Arena. We've off, the off the rails. We spent the first 20 minutes talking about Pokemon and soccer. That was fine. That was fine. There is uh, no such thing as off the rails for this episode. Off the rails. One last thing, because we haven't talked about it at all this year. Just real quick. Uh, just wrapped up in Charlotte. They won a shootout in Hartford. That makes them uh, six and six, basically. We'll cut out the shootout and the overtime loss bullshit. Something to keep an eye on here is that... Uh, it might be over for Grigory Denisenko. He has a total of three points in 13 games. I I, I think it's it's over. Ooh. Yeah, not great. Uh, of the guys that might get a shot at the NHL level, I think that uh, you would say Hutsko and Levchi have been the most impressive. Levchi's got five goals in 11 games. Hutsko, seven points in 10 games. How many Emmys look good in the NHL? Uh, Lucas Carlson got a goal tonight. I think that uh, him and Kierstead have been good at the AHL level. And that's really all there is to say about that. Just wanted to get that in there because we haven't talked anything about Charlotte. I'm not going to talk about the ECHL. That's just could have had Keandre Miller. Sad face. Anyway, guys, where are they going to rate us five stars this week? Because that's rate us five stars on the Nintendo eShop when you go there. We've done that one, though. Shut up. When you go to purchase. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet uh, tomorrow. Five. Rate us five stars on the Adidas Canada website, which had a 30% off sale for a mysterious reason on reverse retros. Rate us on the results website. because Look how awesome this shirt is. That is awesome. Visual medium, guys. Visual medium on this <laughs> podcast. Audio Rate podcast. us five stars on the Microsoft Store. Uh, something, something, Excel, something, something, top 10 favorite Pokemon by type. Rate us five know. stars on Adobe Acrobat. Yes, this is a shirt with lightsabers on it. I can't really oh, tell. I thought that was a virtual mask. background. Yeah. <laughs> Darn virtual backgrounds. All right. Yeah. Rate us five stars. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I'm trying to give away these tickets. The person who won ever gets back to me. But have a good one, everyone. Good night. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.